It takes a village. I think we've all heard of this, and to a degree, it makes intuitive sense. But yet, we often see athletes who are pounding their chest and saying, like, I was the one who got me here, and it was my hard work. And here's the thing, is that they're not wrong. Like, the athlete is the one who puts in the physical work, it's taking all of their sacrifices, and it's cutting the things out of their lives and such. But it's sort of a ridiculous notion that they could get to any sort of level um, as an athlete on their own. Let's just think about how many people really need to have their hands in the bucket to make it an elite athlete. So we have their head coach who's going to oversee those different specialty coaches that they might have and they might do an aspect of their programming. We have their agent who is coordinating contracts and maybe helping advocate for that athlete. We have their sponsorships and media so the athlete actually makes enough money so they can actually do their job. Um, different specialty coaches, so it might be like a weightlifting coach or a swim coach or a CrossFit coach. Uh, we have their dietitian or nutrition coach um, or potentially some sort of meal prep service. Then we also have to involve the person who's in charge of their training facilities, who is hopefully flexible enough that they actually can get to hours at their box for open gym. We might have a sports psychologist. We might have an exercise physiologist. We might have a, a chiropractor, or massage therapist, or acupuncture specialist. So all of these people have a hand in this person's success. It's not just that person. And yet we see a lot of high-level athletes, especially in our sport right now, who don't have a lot of formal coaching. And this makes it confusing for athletes like you who are up and coming and want to uncover the path to success. So do I need a coach or not? Is it possible or potentially even smart for me to be self-coached or should I hire a fitness coach? Hey, it's Ben Wise and this is The Fitness Movement. Ben again. The fitness movement is brought to you by Zor Fitness. Zor Fitness is my company and my platform to deliver training-related content to people just like you. The site features in-depth articles, movement breakdowns, and our online training program, The Protocol. And I offer one-on-one remote coaching for fitness athletes. So I hope you check it out. Head over to ZorFitness.com. That's Z-O-A-R Fitness.com. See you there. And welcome back to my rant on self-coaching versus hiring a coach. So today's outline, I really want to go through four different things. First of all is my experiences with self-coaching and also formal coaching. So actually working with different coaches. Next is going to be advantages and disadvantages of self-coaching or hiring a coach. And I've been on both sides of that. Like I've been self-coached for a long time and I've also had a lot of really good coaches that I've worked with. Um, So I think I have a pretty good perspective about advantages and disadvantages to both of those. And then if you are going to self-coach correctly, this is how you do it in part three. And then part four is if you're going to hire a coach, here's what you should expect or here's what you should be getting with a good quality coaching service. So let's jump into it. Um, First of all is my experiences with being coached and self-coaching. So to caveat this conversation a little bit, I have been self-coached, I would say, most of my life, probably the majority. However, I've certainly worked with a bunch of really capable coaches who have delivered programs to me that I've executed on that have certainly helped me out and have been super valuable as well. I currently do some self-coaching, and I also currently have a coach who I've hired to write some of my programming. So right now, I'm sitting in between this as we speak. So again, I'm sort of a neutral party as I can talk about this to a degree, I think. So let's go through this again, advantages and disadvantages of self-coaching versus actually hiring a coach. So let's talk about self-coaching first of all, advantages. The other thing is you 
have to because you are forced to take ownership of your own process, which is a good thing. Like you want to take ownership of your process regardless if you're self-coach or not. So obviously if you're the only one doing it, you have to take ownership for that process because you are literally the only one who is determining your success or not. The good thing is you also learn a lot through the process. Like you are going to make mistakes as a self-coach, which might not be the best thing, but you can certainly learn from those mistakes and you actually learn a lot about yourself as a person being self-coach. Probably in ways if you did hire a coach that are just maybe different than if you actually formally hired a coach. You're certainly going to learn from your coach when you hire them. However, the things that you learn or maybe the ways that you learn are a little bit different if you self-coach. So disadvantages of self-coaching is first of all, you don't know what you don't know. And that sounds obvious, but we're blind to these things. Like that's the kind of the idea is that these are all blind spots for us. So for example, maybe you have a bias in your training because you were an endurance athlete in the past or you're a power athlete in the past. And now you're trying to figure out how do I navigate that and basically transform my training into a more blended athlete that it would be CrossFit. Or maybe it's like you don't know how to program mobility work correctly, or you don't know what protocols you need to um, prepare you for um, an actual competition, or maybe you don't know what movement pairings are common in the sport, or you don't know what an off-season should look like for a CrossFit athlete, or you don't know how to navigate the sport in terms of like an ever-changing landscape, like our season keeps changing like year over year. And if you don't know have a coach who can help you navigate that process, again, you just don't know what you don't know. So The biggest thing here is that your development as an athlete will never exceed your development as a coach. So in other words, if you are a C-level coach, you will always be a C-level athlete because you can never help yourself progress past that point. Unless you become a B-level coach, and then you can become a B-level athlete. Unless you become an expert coach, then you can become an expert athlete. But unless you actually go through that process, you cannot get to that place. So again, you are just blind to the things that you are blind to, and that's the biggest thing that's holding you back as a self-coached athlete. That's really the biggest thing I can say. It's a disadvantage of self-coaching. That is probably one of the things that blunted my performance for a really long time was just like I was stuck in my own head, which is like a necessary thing, and I could spend a lot of time on it and really get nuanced with it. But at the same time, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And the other thing is with self-coaching is that you're often second-guessing yourself is that you're going back and forth and being like, well, you know, I, I wrote this when I was thinking this particular thing. And at the time that actually made sense, but now I'm feeling this way where I have this little tweak going on or my energy level feels X, Y, or Z. And now, well, should I be changing this? Should I just stick with it? You know, you, you start to question yourself a lot. And again, hiring a coach and having a, like a very regimented program or maybe not even regimented, but it, it's like, it's written down, it's written in front of you. You just have to execute on it. It's freeing in a way. Just as personal experience, I can speak on that. Most then goes to disadvantages of hiring a fitness coach because there's much less disadvantages than there are advantages, but there are some disadvantages, but let's go over them quick. Mainly it's just price. Like you're going to have to pay to hire a fitness coach and a lot of people, that's an obstacle for them. Like they don't feel like they have the money or maybe they just flat out don't have the money to hire the coach that they want. And yeah, that's sort of the reality of it. If you want someone to invest a lot of time in your performance particularly, and if they are actually investing time, they are going to be at a certain price point. And for a lot of people, yeah, that's just not in the cards for them at their current stage. Or maybe even if they did commit to that, it would be a financial strain, a relationship strain, because like their significant other isn't on board. 
Um, there's a lot of things that actually going into hiring a fitness coach, especially if it's a one-on-one coach and not just like signing up for a blog style program or something. And again, there's nothing wrong with those programs that might actually be better. Um, especially if they're, they're doing things that can incorporate some sort of teaching along with it. So for example, um, in the protocol, I link out to all their different movement pages, or I'll put in demo videos or coaches notes to help you actually learn process of um, becoming a better athlete. If you can find a blog style program that does that, I would highly encourage that regardless of what that is, just because that's much more like actually having a coach there walking you through the program, which is actually what you want from an individual design coach as well. You want a coach who's actually tailoring things and helping you learn the process of becoming a better athlete, not just writing down the X's and O's, so to speak, like the actual programming. So that's the main thing is price. And then the other potential disadvantage, and it's potential because it's not necessarily for everyone, but I do think some athletes might fall into this, is where there's potential for you not take responsibility for your own performance. So in other words, it's totally possible that an athlete, when they hire a coach, says, well, I didn't perform well on this competition because my coach didn't program handstand push-ups and deadlifts enough. Or, you know, my mobility hasn't been improving. That's not necessarily my fault because, you know, I'm the athlete and my coach is the one who's supposed to figure out my mobility stuff. So they're not taking ownership for their own process because they can defer it to someone else. Now, mind you, good athletes do not do this. So all of the athletes that I work with who are improving steadily, who are becoming and are at a decently high level or up and coming in the sport, they take ownership for their own performance, right? Like I am not a perfect person. I'm not the perfect coach where everything I write down is exactly how it needs to be. Like mistakes are made. Sometimes I put typos into the programming, like stuff happens, but at the same time, they know that it's good enough where they can execute and if they take responsibility and ownership of their process that that's actually going to help that process along so again disadvantages of hiring coach price is basically the biggest thing there and then there's potential for not taking ownership of your own process so let's go over the advantages of hiring a fitness coach number one is it someone other than yourself who can help keep you accountable and take a rather objective look at your daily habits your movements your skills all through that objective lens. So they can be honest with you like, oh, you think you're going to make it to a sanctioned event in two years and you're fresh into the sport? Even if you're a really good athlete, that's not going to happen, right? It's going to take a long time for you to develop or, you know, whatever it is, like you're a 32-year-old male who has, you know, mobility isn't great and you want to go to the games. Well, You know what your life's going to have to look like. You're going to have to have every single thing in your life aligned just to have a shot at potentially going several years down the road right before you become a master's athlete. Or maybe just flat out like it's not going to happen and you have to be honest with them. It can also just be like looking at movements like saying like, oh, like this is what's going on in this particular pattern that you didn't see in yourself. Or like, hey, this breakdown in this skill is happening likely because of this thing or like your breathing's off in this particular movement If when I listen to this video or whatever. It's just an objective view that is super helpful that you don't have with yourself. Like you can't be objective with yourself. Like there might be a few ways that you can incorporate external ways to be objective. For example, like if you're tracking HRV or different metrics on yourself that are objective, that can be super helpful. But in general, you're you're dealing with your opinions of how you feel about yourself and it's all subjective. And that's, it's not bad, but it's in some ways limiting because you're just stuck in your own head a lot of the time. 
Also advantages of hiring a fitness coach is that you actually have time to take care of some other aspects of your life and other aspects of your training. So it basically frees you up so that you can focus on other stuff and you don't have to spend all your time thinking about program design and also just like researching the sport and all the stuff that your coach should be doing if they're a good coach. So you can focus on like your career or your family. You could actually sleep more so you can actually recover better and adapt better to, to training. You could focus on um, maybe it's food prep or, or nutrition quality. And you could spend more time on mobility work or just even like if it was just reading or freeing up you to do something else besides that. So you're basically paying someone else to take on some of that burden and to really, again, be in that source of objective perspective for you. And another big thing is that you're not then constantly second guessing and rewriting everything. So you want to have confidence in your coach and they should instill confidence in their ability and your ability for yourself as well. Like you should have confidence in your coach and your coach should also project confidence and help you progress your own confidence as an athlete. So you should get more confident in their abilities as you actually get better and more confident in your own abilities. And that's the cyclical process that you want. So that confidence is going both ways. What that allows for is that you don't have to then be constantly second guessing and rewriting everything. Another big thing is that you will actually do some of the things that you know you should do, but you don't if you're left to your own devices. So for example, they might say like, hey, three times a week, I want you doing this particular mobility routine or every day I want you doing this particular warm up activation drill. Stuff that you maybe already knew, like maybe it wasn't even something new that they're bringing to you. However, when you have someone else who's going to be like, hey, did you do this? And you have some sort of accountability for that. And also them just like being like, hey, this is what you need to do. And this is what's in the program today. It's something that you are much, much more likely to do on that actual particular day. So it actually just allows you and enables you to do the things that you already know you should be doing. And then secondly, well, first of all, you'll push yourself harder than you would if you were just left to your own devices and there was no one who was going to look at your results of your training. And then number two is that you'll likely at least have time off scheduled into your calendar year for, you know, recouping and recharging, so to speak. So oftentimes self-coach athletes, they're like, well, you know, I got done with the open and I took maybe a couple days off and now it's time for me to get back into it and start it up again so that I can basically get back into training and try to work on these weaknesses. And you see, you know, the other athletes gearing up for the games and stuff. And you're like, all right, let's do it. And oftentimes having a coach there for perspective allows for you to have built time off that you maybe wouldn't, right? So it allows you to push harder at certain times and allows you to back off more at other times, which is ultimately going to allow for you to be peaking at the right times and to have long-term cyclical progress over a yearly basis or of multiple training years. So yeah, I mean, those are basically my thoughts in terms of advantages and disadvantages, and that's often what people want right away. So I put those out initially, and now I want to kind of go through more of a, you know, how I would think about, you know, my own story as an athlete and now as a coach, and also just like what I would think more so like my advice on if someone is self-coached or if they're hiring a coach, like how should you uh, view that and, you know, what is a good perspective to have? What things would I actually recommend to you? So first, I want to go through some of my story. And again, I've been self-coached a lot of my life, probably the majority of my life, but I've also been formally coached a lot. And I also have a coach that currently writes a lot of my programming. So as I go through my story, I want you to think about 
was I being self-coached during that time or was I being formally coached or maybe informally coached during that time? So my story is much more complicated than that. And it's a bit of a problem if you only think of this conversation as self-coached versus formally coached. And that's kind of what I want to point out with this. But it's the case where a lot of people see this as black and white, where it's like you're coached or you're not, where it's really grayscale. Like you can be both self-coached and formally coached, for example. And that's really what I want to get across with my story. So bear with me. This all has a point, I promise. So if we go way back to the beginning here. My parents were the ones sort of coaxing me along, right? If I was a you know an infant taking my first steps, literally like my first steps, right? So they're providing encouragement and reinforcement, like cheering for you and stuff, right? Like if you think about how powerful that is, if someone's cheering you on as you're actually doing an activity, that's super motivating. So that goes all the way back to the beginning as that was happening. And they were also mirroring certain motor skills. So for example, like brushing my teeth, I learned that through watching someone else do it. Right. It might have been explained to me like, hey, you want to make sure you get, you know, all these different areas of your mouth or blah, blah, blah. But basically I was watching someone else do it and then I mirrored what they were doing. Then maybe a few years later on, um, I had some more formal teaching. So, for example, like swim lessons would be an example of that. Riding a bike was probably like some sort of a formal lesson in the backyard sort of thing. Even like tying my shoes. I remember that in like preschool. Someone teaching me how to tie my shoes. And then certain household chores, like, for example, maybe like pushing a wheelbarrow or carrying a bag of groceries could have been just like demoed to me or explained to me like, hey, you want to load the wheelbarrow this way so that when you pick it up, it doesn't tip over. And again, that's some sort of like informal coaching in a sense. Um, Then a couple years later, I started playing some organized sports where there was a specific coach or a teacher involved. So for example, like U8 soccer peewee wrestling track and field day like my gym teacher was there like my my wrestling coach was there my soccer coach was there even if it was just somebody's parent they had more perspective than me and they were helping me through that process and teaching me what I should be thinking about what I should be doing how I should move on the field how to do a certain maneuver and wrestling but at the same time it was like I was mirroring my peers doing different skills like I might have been in wrestling practice and watching the coach do something and learning from them but I'm also watching the other peers in that environment. So I might be at a CrossFit gym and watching somebody else snatch and trying to mimic what they're doing if there's someone I respect in the space. I might be mirroring like older parents or coaches who I can see do things. So it wasn't just seeing my coach demonstrate a certain like wrestling move and then like me mimicking that. It was much more complicated and nuanced than that. And even like, for example, like tag football at recess was an equal importance to me and like learning all those little skills than it was like the, the quarter mile run in, in gym class. That was like a formal test. Anyway, let's skip ahead. High school, I had a really solid coaches in general here helping me with different technique aspects, which is much more detailed at this point in my development. Soccer and wrestling are the two biggest ones there. I dabbled in some pole vault um, addition in, you know, in track and field. I basically did running and then I did some pole vault, but I also really got into like the body image and like just basically wanting to be muscular. Like, you know, I wanted to lift and do bodybuilding style workouts, like because most high school guys, I suppose I wanted to, yeah, be like big and muscular. And so I kind of went down that bodybuilding rabbit hole on my own and trying to do research and like reading different articles and that sort of stuff. So that was sort of self-coached to a degree, but I also had weight training as part of my actual classes in schooling that I signed up for as an elective that I could actually lift during first block. And I did that in my junior and senior year. So it was another opportunity to have a little bit more formal training as well. Then in college, um, I wrestled in college. And you can imagine I certainly had formal technique instruction and also had, you know, strength conditioning programs delivered to me there. 
but there was also like the learning that took place like peer to peer, like just like experimenting with different technique, like, Hey, like try this. Or like, Hey, when somebody does this, I love doing this particular, you know, move or just like different situational things. Um, so basically teaching each other how to do things. It was even like, you know, in the off season, like teaching each other how to do power cleans or like toes to bar, like little things like that. Or like, even like, I don't know, other random things like slack line or something in the off season, um, just as like a, a fun thing to do. So that was up until like the end of college. And then end of college is basically like the last year or two in college and after college is when I found CrossFit and really post-college is when I dove into that. So the first like eight to 12 months, I was at a commercial gym doing weightlifting and bodybuilding type trainings and then some Metcons at my parents' house. And mind you that this was the first time in my life that I actually bought a gym membership, which is interesting because again, we're talking about like the price point on this and it's super funny just to think about like how I didn't actually spend much money at all on my fitness until I was actually out of college and had like a real job and everything. Even at that point though, like I was still like teaching myself how to do like muscle ups and like from rings that were tied to a tree in the backyard and watching YouTube videos about how to do weightlifting and, you know, following hook grip on Instagram and studying their videos and all that stuff. So again, it was like a combination of both. Then finally, I'm in January of 2017, right before the 2017 open is when I joined CrossFit 717, just west of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, so I could actually do the 2017 open. Yeah, so basically signing up for a gym membership was a big deal financially for me at the time. Basically, immediately, though, I saw big improvements in not just like my technique from like learning from the coaches, but just like the intensity in the workouts uh, because of the atmosphere. Like I was around other people who were much better than what I had been doing. And basically I was doing my own thing at commercial gyms or at the house before. And now I'm thrown into a group atmosphere where I can take advantage of that to really get more intense workouts in. And plus like the equipment, the basically open concept of like the traditional CrossFit box was something that I just couldn't replicate at a commercial gym. And I learned a lot from the coaches on staff there. Like I talked to Jeff Baltimore, who is one of the coaches at well, he's still there. Um, it was the episode 22 that I talked to him. Yeah, I mean, these are all things that just accelerated my um, speed development as an athlete early on in 2017. I, I had a big year there that really helped me out. And again, that was just learning both formally from the coaches on staff, but also just like in informal conversations with them, talking to other members, trying to do uh, maybe some of their weightlifting classes and just having experiences of couplets and different movement pairings and things that I wouldn't maybe not have programmed on my own because I was doing the gym's programming. But at the same time, you see other people in their, their before and after class. I started doing supplemental strength work basically right off the bat. And I also did some little extra conditioning and I was just learning a lot all around. So I ended up doing some sort of a, I guess you'd just call it a hybrid program of like class programming, but then also getting really detailed for myself and my own programming, which again, I would consider to be self-coached as basically supplemental, mainly strength work on the side and, and also actually actually started coaching classes during that time as well as a really, really part-time thing. So a few months later there, I ended up following like a blog style workout plan uh, for probably about six to nine months, I'd say, and actually started coaching full-time at an, another gym after I'd moved. And then after another period of time, um, I actually started Zor Fitness and started posting my workouts there um, initially before uh, the protocol was a thing and before the new site was a thing. I just basically posted my own workouts. <laughs> and now part of my business plan revolves around breaking down movements and training concepts and 
basically repackaging them into easily digestible forms for athletes like you, which is rather interesting how that's come full circle here. Plus, then I actually started um, one-on-one coaching athletes and creating my own online training program through the protocol. And then after maybe another 18 months, I ended up hiring a coach to do some of my personal programming. Not just that, but we were also in conversation pretty regularly about my training and just about different topics about training in general, because we both care about that a lot and talk about that a lot. And then also I do some further education stuff and personal development as well. So let me ask you this. Was I formally coached or did I self-coach? So basically my thesis here is that successful athletes are both formally coached and self-coached. So it's not about having one or the other. You need to have both. Again, one of the things you have to realize is that if you want to become an elite athlete where you want to help develop an elite athlete, you cannot do it alone. Um, The quote I used at the beginning was, it takes a village. It's a ridiculous notion to think that you can get to any sort of really high level as an athlete on your own. It's going to take a big support system. It's going to take basically a lot of other people investing in you to really get to a successful level. And it's also taking away from you and your training and your recovery if you are forced to do all of those roles that the other various coaches should normally be playing in that scenario. So if you are focused on your own programming, that just takes away from some of the other priorities that you could really focus on, like your recovery, like your mobility stuff, like your you know, meal prep, whatever you, other things that you could delegate that you're not, is that's basically just taking away from you. At the same time, though, it's really important for athletes to actually take responsibility for coaching themselves as well. Now, since a self-coached athlete should actually have a coach, (laughs) there's aspects of their coaching that they should or potentially should not focus on and educate themselves on. Three things specifically. Number one is standardized routines, stuff that they can do on a regular basis as sort of a, a set thing that they can just go to and pull out from their memory. Two is movement mastery. So little efficiency things that they can pick up on. And then three is individual virtuosity. So basically thinking about your own way that you can sort of solve different movements and positions. So I'm going to go through these one by one, but even here, you aren't going to be going through these on your own. Like your coach is going to be helping you and educating you through this process and giving you resources, giving you certain homework items, and um, basically just like discussing like what is optimal and um, you can also do that with your like your training partners. You can also do that with the people that you respect within your community. And this is going to be sheltering you from some of the misinformation out there. Go to the people you respect. Go to your coach. Go to people that are educated in the space and that you respect. And they're going to help basically protect you from some of the misinformation. Like you need to understand that the games athletes are definitely out there texting and talking to each other about all the stuff. Like, I mean... They're moving from all over the world to train at a certain facility with another coach or with another athlete uh, so that they can be together. You certainly think that they're they're not going to be talking and like interacting about this stuff on a regular basis. Like they, they live and breathe this stuff. So you need to have people that you go to. So let's go through these again. Number one, standardized routines. So the things like warm-ups and cool-downs, mobility routines, skill progressions, stuff that they can do. Like skill progressions could be like learning the movement the first time, but it can also be like warming up for the movement in the day-to-day sort of thing. So those standardized routines can be super helpful. Your coach can certainly help initiate some of those and help give you some examples of those, but you should also start to develop some of those on your own things that you know can help you feel good and ready to train, help improve your positions, help refine skills, stuff that you know works for you. Number two is movement mastery. So 
again, this is just like the nuances of movement, the little intangibles that are honestly really challenging to coach, but at the same time, they make a big difference when you add them up. So it's like all the little things. So for example, in like wall balls, are you going to put your chin on the ball or are you going to actually like use the front rack? So like, are you going to prevent the ball from going all the way down to like your delts and your collarbones, or are you going to hold it up by your chin? Just like a stylistic thing that's different. I've seen elite athletes do it both ways. Uh, for example, um, are your legs going to be straight versus bending a little bit in your chest of bars? So are you like going to keep your knees locked out basically or relatively straight the entire time? Or are you going to do the thing where you're like riding a bicycle in reverse or whatever they call it, um, where you're bending your knees a little bit more in the chest of bar? When you're doing like a box step up, are you going to be altering your foot on the top of the box or on the floor? Are you alternating with your step up leg and your bar facing burpees? Or are you keeping like the same one and stepping up with the same one every time so that you're spinning in a circle? So in other words, are you like facing the same wall the entire time or are you spinning in circles? Do you stay more upright in your bar muscle up, which is going to be a little bit quicker in your cycle speed and it's going to use a bit more of a, of your lat strength or are you going to use a bit more of a, a glide kip or offer like a more kind of sustainable, a um, little bit slower cycle speed and try to get bigger unbroken sets? So these are just like all things that like are your responsibility as an athlete to try to figure out and master. Certainly your your coach can help guide you in those conversations and guide you in um, what you can learn. But at the same time, it is your responsibility. You need to take ownership as the athlete. And then third is individual virtuosity. So for example, like is your squat width the same in all of your squatting movements? Or maybe do you prefer a slightly wider stance sometimes or a slightly narrower stance in other times, towing in or towing out more or less. So for example, like I like to stand just maybe a hair wider in wall balls so that I get a little bit more tension from my hips so that I get a little bit more speed and actually limit my depth a little bit on wall balls where it's just, just below the standard, but I can come back up. Whereas if I'm, you know, doing weightlifting, I'm going to toe out a little bit more and try to get a little bit deeper into that squat and have a little bit narrower of a stance. Overhead squats, I don't toe out as much as I do in front squats, like all these like little things. And it's really minor. Most people would never notice it. However, it's something that I've developed over time just by doing thousands of reps. Um, and this is the stuff that you need to develop as an athlete. For example, do you bend your arms just a little bit in your cleans to get the bar up to your hip or you can use your hip to pop it up or you're going to keep your arms sort of long and relaxed and traditionally like what you think of as good technique and then contact like your, your mid to upper thigh. And depending on your body proportions, there's no right or wrong way to solve that equation. Like it's going to be different for every person because every person's anthropometrics are a little bit different. Like if you have super long arms and you're doing cleans, you're not going to weightlift like a Chinese weightlifter. Like it's not going to happen. So you need to figure out how you can best solve that movement equation for yourself. And by the way, it might not be the exact same thing in every single movement. Like if you're doing movements from the hang and it's a lightweight, you might do like a bounce kip where you keep your arms completely straight and stay upright. Or, um, for example, you might, if it's a, a hang movement, you might keep your arms just, just slightest bit of bend where you can still make a movement standard for a snatch, but then you can keep just a little bit more tension in your biceps and use that. So Again, there's not a right or wrong way. It's a matter of figuring out what's individually going to work for you best. And that is something that you have to take responsibility for yourself as an athlete. 
really, I mean, these are all things that I try to foster in my athletes as their coach, stuff that they need to be doing on their own, stuff that is my responsibility, and it's us teaming up to get them better as an athlete. So really, again, the programming is just one aspect of my coaching service, and it's certainly an important aspect, but it's just one particular aspect. I just think of it as it's an opportunity to accelerate the athlete's specific knowledge in the sport. So basically teaching them to maximize their efficiency in certain movements, you know, helping that athlete identify certain movement flaws or inefficiencies that maybe they didn't see in themselves. And then like sending like, for example, like visual aids or video review to help them with that, like really practical, really like tangible stuff to help them improve. The goal isn't to get lost in the weeds. Like I'm not talking to my athletes um, unless they're for some reason particularly interested in it about like the underpinnings of physiology or that stuff. It's like, no, like what do you need to be focused on? What do you need to be controlling in your training sessions day to day? That's the stuff that they need to know. And it's about helping them navigate what has become this effort changing season in our sport and helping them sort of drill down past all the superficial goals that they have to really help them to think about their true aspirations with sport. Like what are you actually concerned about? What do you actually care about for the sport? It's maybe jumping on a call and mapping out a game plan for when workouts get announced or, and this has happened so much, but like reworking programming on the fly when your gym gets shut down unannounced again, (laughs) or um, maybe it's mapping out or navigating training through the holidays where, you know, your routines get out of whack. And, you know, if you were just doing stuff on your own, that just wouldn't be nearly as effective, or maybe even just like working with that and maybe deloading during that time and figuring out all of those situations or the job of like the coach and the athlete to work together as a team to figure that stuff out. So these are all things that if you don't have a coach that you've hired that you're working with, you don't get those things. It's invaluable because, I mean, frankly, like we are all susceptible to, again, our own biases, our own unique blind spots, and basically just falling prey of like that sort of like shiny object syndrome <laughs> where, you know, you're not actually just like staying to the course. So if you are someone who's listening to this and you're interested in one-on-one coaching, message me on Instagram or email me at ben at zorfitness.com. And I hope all of you found this helpful in navigating and trying to figure out self-coaching versus hiring a fitness coach. Hey, it's Ben again. And I wanted to take a minute to talk about our online training program, The Protocol. The Protocol is for athletes who want to train for the sport of fitness. It's programmed by me, and it's my best attempt at preparing athletes with varying strengths and weaknesses for the demands of the sport. And I do this through the use of silos, which basically means I segment parts of the program based upon athletes' ability in a particular area. So for example, an element of the program this fall on Tuesdays and Thursdays was gymnastics-focused training. And there are four different silos, so athletes could choose to work on chest bars or muscle-ups or handstand push-ups or handstand walks. In other words, we are all doing the same core program, but there are ways to individualize it on a weekly basis. And as part of the program, I also include coach's notes, technique videos, and educational resources almost daily. My goal is to not just have this feel like you're doing a workout plan, but to feel like I'm actually coaching you through the process of becoming the best athlete you can be. And having access to the protocol is just part of the benefit of being a pro member. You also get instant access to the vault, which is exactly like it sounds. It means that you unlock the ability to be able to download all the programs that I've ever written. 
So this includes things like Bulletproof Body, which is the accessory work for functional fitness, gymnastics density for the big five, functional thickness, your first muscle up, cyclical supremacy, overhead squat mobility, breath work for the support of fitness, and it could go on and on. And lastly, you get instant access to pro articles, which are on topics that I really want to safeguard from the public and keep for my athletes. Stuff like cycle speeds for CrossFit open movements, strength ratio data analysis, so basically determining your relative weaknesses on strength work, breaking down sanctionals programming or games programming, energy systems testing and analysis, and a whole lot more. And if this sounds like stuff that you're into, you can get a seven-day free trial of Pro. Simply head over to zorfitness.com slash pro. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay the course.